like in spirit, growing one awareness at a time. Hello and welcome to my very first podcast. I'm very excited about this. My name is Larissa Shade Dashton and I am a licensed psychologist. Uh, my professional name I go by is Dr. Shea. And I have been working with clients for over 10 years. Um, I've uh, conducted individual therapy, group therapy, uh, couples therapy, and um, I've taught classes, uh, college courses, to some local local schools in the area. but I'm not here for any of that. Um, this is actually a journey that I'm hoping to take you on uh, and myself on uh, that covers a little bit about um, understanding ourselves a little more deeply and our sort of spiritual nature, but uh, with a hint of research thrown in because I am a scientist at heart um, as well as a, a spiritual person. And, you know, I had this kind of idea to do a podcast probably over a year ago and I shoved it aside thought it was sort of just like a pipe dream kind of thing Uh, but I keep I kept thinking about it it kept coming back over and over again and so I started to pay a little more attention to that because if something keeps coming up in my head as an idea that sounds right um, or feels right then um, then it's something I need to attend to Um, And so here I am um, starting this brand new podcast. I do hope uh, that if you are listening that you do find this helpful. Again, I'm interested in taking myself and others on a journey uh, through different kinds of topics. And some of these topics are, oh, today's topic is self-compassion. But some of the other topics I'm probably going to cover are things like uh, emotions, music, awe, Uh, mindfulness, grief, uh, meditation, turn off the news, vulnerability, shame, non-judgment, fear, dreams, uh, just just kind of fun topics, some not so fun, but but, uh, very useful for self-reflection. And so again, the purpose of this podcast is growth. It's deepening our understanding and our and. Uh, of ourselves, excuse me, and living in the present with a hint of research in the mix, as I said. I'm hopeful that uh, that you'll walk away with some practical tips and tools to better your lives. My role is not a therapist, obviously. Um, in this case, it's more of a teacher. I'm wanting to share things, but I'm also on a path of growth myself, and that's that's part of this process. I don't know who this will reach or how long this will run, but I'm going to start about twice a month and see how this goes. So welcome and thank you for joining me on this journey. Why don't we just jump right in? Self-compassion, ooh, that word. There are a lot of associations with it. Um, you know, the the thing that comes up a lot for me is hearing people talk about self-care. People really throw that term around. Does it remind you of mm, massages and going to take hot baths and things like that? Well, if it does, that may not be what we're actually going to be talking about. So self-care is sort of that buzzword that, that people talk about. You see pop up in articles online. Um, but it's not really self-compassion. 
Self-compassion is actually a very clearly defined term in the psychological literature. Um, in fact, Kristen Neff is, you may have heard, she's a big, the big name in self-compassion research and theory and has done this kind of research for, I want to say, probably 20 years. So I do get this asked from time to time in therapy is how do I be more self-compassionate? And it's tough. That's a tough answer. It's not easy for me to just give a quick answer to that kind of question. It's, it's a bit more involved. So is it going and getting a massage or a manicure or a grooming? No, that's sort of the superficial way that people talk about self-care. I'm gonna use Kristen Neff's definition. Self-compassion entails three main components which overlap and mutually interact. Self-kindness versus self-judgment, that's the first component. Feelings of common humanity versus isolation is the second component. And mindfulness versus over-identification is the last component. So I'm gonna be focusing mostly on self-kindness, but I'll read through all three components and, and what they actually involve. So self-kindness refers to the tendency to be caring and understanding with ourselves rather than harshly critical or judgmental. Personal flaws and inadequacies are treated in a gentle, understanding manner, and the emotional tone of language used toward the self is soft and supportive. And that is straight out of the words of Neff um, and her review from 2011. So it's the tendency to be caring and understanding with ourselves. So we're not judging, we're not being overcritical. We are talking in soft and gentle language towards ourselves. And I'm gonna spend quite a bit of time on this piece because it is so difficult for people. But let's look at the next component, feelings of common humanity. It's the sense of common humanity central to self-compassion and involves recognizing that all people fail. All people make mistakes and feel inadequate in some way. So again, that's from Neff. Um, this idea that we are not perfect beings. We make mistakes all the time. We are not perfect. That is just part of being human. And instead of feeling isolated if we make a mistake and thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so stupid. How did I do that? It's partially about recognizing that everyone has made mistakes and everyone feels this way sometimes. So we don't have to feel alone in that, in that sort of feeling of, ah, like I made a mistake, having a bad day, whatever it is. We're not alone, even though we might feel that way. So it's the feeling of common humanity. The last piece, uh, mindfulness, is something that I will probably talk about in a later episode, just because um, that is one of the, the approaches that I appreciate. Mindfulness is being aware in the present moment in such a way as to recognize your own emotions and thoughts as they arise and allow them, but not feeding into them. So not... Um, not continuing on with those thoughts and emotions. Thus, it's to be able to detach from one's story of suffering and over-identifying with your painful experiences. It's instead looking at your experience from a balanced and more objective view. 
So again, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a uh, depth in a later session. I am a big fan of mindfulness. Um, speaking from the sort of the more spiritual side of things, I am a very spiritual person and I'm also a scientist. I came from a scientist practitioner program um, and took you know several research and stats courses and I have that background that is uh, actually really useful to have as I look at research and I evaluate um, different studies um, and kind of just have a critical and discerning um, sort of mindset when I read articles about this brand new research that's, you know, X is correlated with this and that. Um, but there's that spiritual piece of me. I've always been a pretty spiritual person, and I explored a lot of Eastern religions when I was in my 20s. Um, I read about Hinduism, um, and uh, primarily Hinduism and Buddhism in my 20s, and a little bit of Taoism. I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read um, other spiritual Hindu texts. I've read, um, you know, Tao Te Ching. I've read... Um, other kinds of, you know, spiritual type books. Um, and I have been a meditation sort of fan of meditation for many, many years, probably for f at least 15 years off and on. I've meditated regularly here and there. It kind of depends. But um, I've also um, gone up to Mount Shasta and done a juice fast for five days with a, a group out of Sacramento. Um, they used to call themselves the center of consciousness. I'm not sure what they're called now, but I would do workshops out in Sacramento and, and, uh, and then go up to Mount Shasta and do a big kind of meditative silent experience up there. And I've had some pretty powerful awakenings and pretty powerful awarenesses along the way. And so I am very grateful for those things. And also, um, it sort of just reinforces that I am a very spiritual person. And, and when I, uh, really tune in and listen to myself. Um, things go better. Things things uh, seem to to fall into place place a little bit easier in life. So that aside, coming back to this mindfulness piece, I will be talking about this more in a later session, uh, a session uh, episode. Excuse me. I'm used to my therapy talk, um, but. The, the focus of this episode, again, is self-compassion. So I'm going to be focusing mostly on that component of self-kindness today. So I'm going to be focusing on this idea that we need to talk to ourselves more gently because folks often struggle with this, as do I at times. Um, so this is how we talk to ourselves mentally. What is the voice in your head? Before we jump into that piece in more depth, why should we care about self-compassion? That's the question, isn't it? So here's where the research comes in. I'm just gonna uh, briefly summarize some of the research findings, um, mostly from Neff and some other researchers. Uh, so in a research review, uh, they mentioned that uh, many studies have found these correlations. So higher self-compassion is associated with psychological well-being, emotional intelligence, social connectedness, personal initiative. So personal initiative is, um, are we aware of the areas in our lives where we need to grow and how to take steps to, do, to grow? 
and to to change the things we need to. So if you have higher self-compassion, um, this says that yes, you also um, are aware of the things you need to change in life. Um, it's also correlated with greater life satisfaction, curiosity, and positive affect, or that's another way of saying positive emotions. On the flip side, um, it is also associated, so self-compassion is associated with decreased depression symptoms, decreased self-criticism, decreases in anxiety, fear of failure, perfectionism, and disordered eating. Wow, so this is a lot of things that, that are associated with self-compassion. Interestingly, women tend to score lower than men on self-compassion. Um, and in some cross-cultural research between Thailand, Taiwan, and the U.S., those in Thailand scored the highest in self-compassion. U.S. was in the middle, and Taiwan scored on the lowest uh, scored the lowest on self-compassion uh, scales, uh, which is interesting. Um, but we don't have any real practical um, outcomes of that. We don't know what that means. Um, we need to study more countries. All right, and then Ferrari et al. conducted a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. So a meta-analysis is a study that measures the effectiveness of several studies. So this meta-analysis um, in science is basically it's not proof you can't prove anything in science necessarily you can't prove anything but laws um, but you can provide a lot of support through meta-analysis anyway um, greater statistical you have greater statistical power in a meta-analysis because you take a whole bunch of studies so your sample size is a lot larger but a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials found that as an intervention self-compassion training led to significant decreases in eating disordered behavior rumination anxiety self-criticism and depression as well as increases in self-compassion and mindfulness so we're seeing a lot of uh, positive outcomes or positive correlates with self-compassion. There's a lot of reason that it is useful and has a lot of utility. So that's what the research says. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of studies about self-compassion. It's a, it's a pretty popular line of research in psychology. However, we don't need to go all through that. That's why I just summarized a review and a meta-analysis. So let's get back to what self-compassion means. A lot of people think self-compassion means, you know, crying and eating ice cream on your couch all day. Is that what it is? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen The Nutty Professor in many years, but I have that image of uh, Eddie Murphy as the professor um, sitting on his couch and sort of just uh, spooning in the, the quart of ice cream into his mouth and crying and watching Richard Simmons um, yeah, I don't know why that image popped into my head, but that's what I saw. Um, this isn't it. That's not necessarily self-compassion. Um, that's, in fact, that's a very superficial way of looking at it. So in some cases, that actually might be self-pity and self-indulgence. Um, I'm not going to go too much into that. But self-compassion is a little deeper. 
It's about wanting yourself to be healthy and happy and wanting to do the things that will help you on that path. So that's not to say you can't have a bad day in which you throw on your jammies and watch TV all day because uh, you recognize that it's all you can manage for the day. And that's okay too for once in a while. But here's the thing. Self-compassion is more than just sitting in front of the TV day all day, getting a massage, eating your favorite dessert. It's deeper than that. It is how you speak to yourself mentally. So I want you to take a moment and think about what is your inner voice like when you're having a rough day? What do you say to yourself when you make a mistake at work or you have an argument with someone? What is that voice in your head saying to you? Is it like a friend comforting you? Something like, oh, you had a rough day. It's okay to be upset and need some time to let this feeling pass. Or it's okay to cry. Or I feel bad and that's okay. I'm going to take care of myself. Or ouch, ah, I feel really bad right now. And that's okay. Or is the voice more like, oh, what is wrong with you? You're so stupid. You really messed that up. Or... Maybe it's not so negative, uh, but maybe it's just kind of panicky. I'm not okay. I don't feel okay. But not with that sort of self-compassionate piece of, I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna, I'm okay. It's okay to not be okay. So self-compassion is about changing the words and the tone of how you speak to yourself mentally. That voice inside your head that runs on autopilot is now a voice that you're going to pay more attention to and change. So I want you to repeat these phrases aloud to yourself and see how it feels. So again, repeat after me. I am suffering right now and I deserve compassion. I treat myself with kindness. I feel embarrassed or angry or sad, and that's okay. I'm okay to have those feelings right now. I feel angry, and that's okay. I'm okay to have those feelings right now. We all have days like this or feel like this sometimes. May I be compassionate with myself right now, which is what I know I need. So now that you've repeated all of those phrases, I'm asking you as a listener, how did that feel? How did it feel to say that? If you said weird, you are not alone. Most people will say weird. It feels weird. It feels fake. It feels authentic, inauthentic. Congratulations, you are in good company. So do most people. Here's the thing. It feels really inauthentic initially. Why? We aren't used to being nice to ourselves. Let's be real. We are not nice <laughs> to ourselves. And the the 
you know, if you think about it, actually, it's really sad because we are so used to that berating tone, that self-critical tone, that it feels wrong when we use any other tone with ourselves mentally. We've had a lifetime to tell ourselves these negative messages. Oh, you did this. Oh, you did that. Right? Oh, you messed up. Yeah, you're such an idiot. Right? Some of these beliefs that come out. And you've had a lot of opportunities to tell this to yourself. And maybe you even heard these messages from others when you were younger and internalized them and started to say them to yourself, to yourself. But that's why it needs to change. And that's why this feels inauthentic to say the opposite and to even say it in a tone that is nurturing or gentle or compassionate. We are really trying to flex a new muscle to change the narrative inside your head. So with that said, when you're having a crappy day, I want you to really start to focus on your self-talk. What are you saying to yourself? What's your normal go-to? Do you just go into this sort of panicky, oh, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, and you just kind of ruminate on that idea? Or do you go to, geez, I'm so stupid, I'm such a failure, oh, man, I can't do anything right. I'm never going to get what I want. I'm never going to be able to do da 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 whatever it is. Because if you're talking in that with that kind of language and tone, uh, particularly that the latter, um, it, it does damage over time. You, you say a message long enough, it will be believed. So after you pay attention to what you end up saying to yourself on these days, maybe you have a bad day, maybe you make a mistake, maybe you have a, something happen where you have an argument with someone, any of those things, I want you to start to give the positive self-talk, the, the self-compassionate talk a try. Then after you say something self-compassionate, do something nurturing for yourself. So this is the next step. I want you to do something nurturing for yourself at some point during the day to boost your mood and unwind. So, you know, Kristen Neff, uh, Dr. Neff, um, she has her own sort of methods of tapping into self-compassion. She has some, I believe she probably even has a free sort of guided meditation to tap into this um, on her website if you want to look into her stuff. But I kind of veer off and, and do some of my own, um, have my own ideas about how to sort of enact self-compassion. So the, the piece about self-kindness, the changing the voice, um, that is part of the self-kindness as that definition. The next part, though, um, the sort of doing something nurturing for yourself, that's sort of my addition. Um, I think that helps um, because you are actually putting your words into practice. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm okay. You know, you can say those things to yourself and that's great. And you can also add that little behavioral piece of changing your behavior to do something that is actually nurturing and that actually helps you feel better. So in a way, this is actually emotional regulation. Um, and so I believe emotions are, are pretty important in our lives. And so I incorporate that piece too. So some of the activities you can do, you know, if you've had this rough day, if you've, 
if you're trying to do something differently after you say the, the new messages to yourself, even if they feel inauthentic. What you can do is, well, there are all kinds of things. You can give yourself a hot bath or a hot shower. You can listen to relaxing and soothing music. You can go for a drive if that's calming for you. For some people, that is miserable and they don't ever want to do that. Uh, but for some people, going for a drive can be very calming and relaxing. And you can even combine music with that to listen to soothing music as you go for a drive. Exercise. Walking, running, anything. Um, exercise is a great way to provide a little bit of self-care. Journaling. Writing about your feelings. Meditation or a visualization, a guided visualization. Watching something that lifts your spirits or help you feel less alone. So maybe you watch a show that, that lifts your spirits and maybe it's funny and you can laugh and you feel a little more connected. Talking to a friend or a family member. Plan something in the future you're excited to do. Cooking, sex, curling up with a good book any of those things so i'm just tossing out ideas here uh, that i wrote down but you know what it could be a, a whole plethora of activities that you come up with but the key point here is that these activities will help you feel more calm and they'll help you boost your mood after you do them again the keys that feels calming and nurturing and it's not involving substances it's, uh so that's not, uh, that's not going to be a piece of that. Here's another piece to it, because I do think emotions are so important to us. We don't really think about this, and this is also not part of Dr. Neff's definition of self-kindness, but I do believe strongly that feeling our emotions, allowing our emotions to come up and to acknowledge them, is a huge piece of self-compassion. If we are shoving our emotions down all the time, ignoring them, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So, this the second or the this final point about the self-kindness piece is that avoiding emotions is not self-compassion. Emotional avoidance is the opposite. It's actually sort of self-sabotage in a way. So again, acknowledging and allowing your emotions is in my personal opinion, as important as the self-talk piece. And goes back to that mindfulness piece that Dr. Neff mentioned. Emotions come and go, but if we shove them down constantly, that is self-sabotage. To really allow our emotions is giving ourselves the gift of being able to feel and then sort of release those emotions. Honestly, it's just letting them go. Emotions come and go frequently throughout the day, even one day, and allowing ourselves to feel whatever it is and acknowledging it um, without trying to shove it down or ignore it or push it away is very helpful. Just to summarize, my own version of acting with self-compassion, it's about first, awareness. Noticing your inner voice 
and what it usually says when you have a bad day or you're struggling or you just had an argument. Notice your inner voice and what it usually says when you just let it run on autopilot, let your mind run rampant. That's the first piece is awareness. The second piece, you're working on how you talk to yourself mentally, even if it feels weird at first, practice talking to yourself like you'd talk to a friend who is struggling every time you're having difficulty or making a mistake. That's a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it. So that second piece is changing how you talk to yourself mentally. The next step is to act, to do something that feels nurturing. So again, throwing in those emotion regulation skills. Finally, the last piece, acknowledging your emotions rather than avoiding them is also a form of mindfulness and ultimately self-compassion. So my suggestion is to take this and put this into practice over the next couple of weeks um, before my next episode. So again, just to quickly recap, the first step is noticing your inner voice to become aware of, of what your inner voice says. The second step is changing that inner voice to be more self-compassionate, be more gentle. The third step is to act, to do something that feels nurturing for yourself. And finally, acknowledging your emotions. Acknowledging your emotions rather than avoiding them. That's a four-step process. Complicated and it takes time. However, the more you practice this and the more you sort of run these ideas through your head, the easier and the more natural this will feel over time. Even if it feels fake and inauthentic to say to myself, you know, I give myself compassion. May I be self-compassionate. I deserve um, self-compassion right now. I'm struggling and it's okay. Even if it sounds really inauthentic. Um, and you know, the reality is, is it does take some time and some practice to get used to this. But over time, you really do start to internalize the, the words, the meaning of the words that you say to yourself. You know, I use these tools myself at times if I have a, a rough day or if I have an interview that I don't feel like went very well, I'll kind of be ruminating about what I said in the interview and, oh, I could have said this, I could have said that. Ah, oh, why didn't I say that in the moment? Um, but then I switch over when I recognize what I'm doing. I switch over, I recognize how I feel, and then I start to change the, the, the voice in my head. I start to talk to myself more gently, like, it's okay to feel this way, and I validate myself, really. Um, I'll validate myself and say, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel this way. And uh, it actually does work. So again, it's going to take some time and practice, but it is very effective over time if we change that voice in our heads and again, do things that feel nurturing. Excuse me. If we do things that feel nurturing and if we actually allow our emotions and acknowledge them to ourselves. It's big, it's huge. So that is my sort of um, 
roadmap to self-compassion. And again, it's going to take a lot of time and practice, but it, it is useful. And that is a, a more sort of structured approach to becoming more self-compassionate. So thank you for joining me today. Um, I am excited to share these thoughts and messages with you and myself. So uh, thank you for joining me on this journey and I will uh, hope to join you next time. All content in this episode, including music, is written, produced, and edited by Larissa Shea Dashton.